Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of You'd Love to See It. I'm joined here today with my two friends, Eric Zhu. Hello. And Caleb Brunman. Good Eve. I hate you guys so much. It's not Eve. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Eve for me. Wait, what do, you, what do you mean it's not Eve? It's Eve. No, it's four. Eric, that's Eve. <laughs> uh, what is technically really? Eve? Four is not Eve. What is four then? Like at least six. Eve is anything. Is it actually? Uh, yeah, I don't know about know that. I feel like... afternoon. Not real. Are they synonymous? Afternoon is Eve. Evening is, is the period of time at the end of the day from 6 p.m. to bedtime. From 6 p.m. to bedtime. Sunrise. Wow. Well, I'm glad we had this debate on the podcast. There are only three things. Sunrise. Before 10 a.m., 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., afternoon, 12 p.m. until sunrise, Eve. <laughs> just Hence, morning good is Eve. the opposite of evening. That doesn't seem right to me. Well, there is it no is. It's just sunrise about and Eve. <laughs> it, it is Eve somewhere, so we will, we will accept Caleb's good Eve. Well, Eve this week... Uh, <laughs> This week, after uh, a little one-week break, we are going to be discussing uh, another round and then another Coen Brothers film, Miller's Crossing. But uh, before we get there, we have an intro question posed by Eric this week. Eric, do you want to give us the question of the week? Yeah. Um, Another round has been getting a lot of critical acclaim for its famous dance sequence at the end of the film and in honor of that what are each of your favorite cinematic dance scenes well mine is clear from one of my favorite movies pulp fic uh, <laughs> um, my favorite dance scene of course the one that has enraptured me the most uh when i first saw it and in the many subsequent viewings just holds me like like Zach when I'm sad. <laughs> and that scene I is wish. Another Day of Sun from La La Land. Mm. Wow, that one didn't even, I did not even think of Another Day of Sun. Wait, what were you thinking of? Oh, is that your answer too? That's not no, my but answer. Like, no, but like, I knew Kayla was going to, do that you didn't think you didn't think I that just, was his like, answer like escaped my memory at that point I oh just... okay i mean I, I you know obviously i feel like i could say la la land as well um but I, uh i won't I, I won't intrude on caleb's uh, moment so i'm gonna go with a different dance scene although i do think caleb is correct about that being the best one um i think one of my favorite is from a movie i've seen probably dozens of times 
a classic 1986 film directed by John Hughes, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, about three quarters of the way through the movie uh, when the, they're in the parade and he's up on the on the little float dancing to Twist and Shout. It's a, it's a great, and then you have all the people coming down the stairs and just the whole ensemble dance scene. Great scene and uh, excellent movie. Unless you're Eric Zoo and you hate fun. No, I like Ferris Bueller's yeah. Day Off. I really yeah. like that. I don't know. Really, guys- hang on. Can I, I? I wish I could show the audience this two and a half star rating. Oh, he pulled. <laughs> I pulled out the facts, the evidence. <laughs> that, okay. that might be an I old reflection. Have lots of dance scenes in my head right now. Um, I wanted to say. Would you say that you have a lot dancing in your head? Young girls of Rochefort. I thought of singing in the rain, um, but there's really only one dance scene that made me tear up the first time I saw it and makes me emotional like every single time I rewatch it and think of it. And that is um, the ending to Beau Travai, in which um, Denis Levant. Um, also, this is the best movie ending of all time. Uh, um, Let's be clear here. As recently voted on uh, by the powers that be, myself. Um, <laughs> but um, the entire movie is this, like, I think I called it, it to, to, to a different friend over text, like a ballet of repression. It's like this wordless, like choreographed, um, like, Yes, like dance of these um, f- these men in the French army who are exiled essentially in Djibouti. And the main story centers around Denis Levant um, and Grégoire Kalan, who is a new member of the army who sparks Denis Levant's jealousy and uh, um, the entire movie is, yeah, it's this smoldering ballet of repression. And at the end of the movie, um, there's this anachronistic dance scene of Denis Levant alone in, like, on a dance stage while Corona's Rhythm of the Night plays. And it's, he just dances with, like, reckless abandon. Um, you don't know if he's alive or if he's dead. Is this his, like, desire, like, finally freeing itself? Is this, like, oblivion? Why is he dancing? What is he doing? It's impossible to express, but he gets it done through his dance. That's a that's a lot of layers to a dance scene. Um, Caleb was oh laughing God, because like the best I, the best dance scene of all time, and one that I think definitely inspired the ending to another round. You don't think the best dance scene of all time is uh, the donkey roll? from uh pop star never stop (laughs) that's a close second the one with usher specifically the one with usher that's the reason that i dance (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right well unfortunately we will not be reviewing pop star uh this week which we should do i think we should do guys why have we not done that as an episode <laughs> when when we get back together again on college on the college campus, I think we need to have our first episode together be a review of Popstar. You know, give I it. Think it's, 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 we need to do a live commentary of Jerry. 
<laughs> Dude, stop with Jerry. It's over. All right. Jerry's gone. All right. Jerry is never over. Jerry's never over. Well, Jerry is not a part of this week. Well, Let's get into it, boys. Super quick intro okay. question, too. That okay. I just, I'm, I'm just itching to ask you guys, right? And this is going to okay. lead into our discussion. It's going to be great. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. Uh, so this week, we're discussing another round starring Mads Mikkelsen. Now, yes. if you were a parent and you had to name your child an emotion and then add the letter S to the end of it. <laughs> what would your baby I have an easy Perturbed. How did she even think of this question? <laughs> what would yours be, Caleb? Uh, I haven't gotten that far, so off the top of my head bitters <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why this is so funny um mine would be hyped hyped uh maybe uh uh what about like i don't know guys my mind's blank right now i just like think of emotions what about sads i'll just be sads that yeah. could be that could Sad be Manz's brother. We're, what about depressed? Is that, <laughs> I can just name go down the list of emotions. Well, Caleb, since you gave us that wonderful question, why don't you introduce uh, another round? Since it's something that has obviously stuck with you. Uh, in a, <laughs> in another round, four high school teachers, uh, mostly. At the center is Mads Mikkelsen. There are four high school teachers who launch a drinking experiment to uphold a constant low level of intoxication, specifically 0.05 blood alcohol content, maybe 0.05% to be even more particular. Um, It's based off this philosopher who's like probably not very happy. And he's like, (laughs) I wish I was drunk all the time. Uh, so his, his, he postulated that humans were born with a blood alcohol content 0.05% too low. So they are constantly drunk. And um, to everyone's great surprise, they kind of become alcoholics. And <laughs> in the end, somebody dies and somebody dances. And the duality of men of man is revealed <laughs> yeah um i don't know i felt like i should have had a drink while i was watching this film i probably would have enjoyed it more <laughs> uh obviously i didn't pick up and you know what's funny actually <laughs> my parents would kill me if they heard this but I actually i did have two morning uh <laughs> what is it called what's uh what's what's champagne and orange juice does anyone know what the drink is okay. What? Oh yeah, I had I had two mimosas this morning, so it was actually my uh, my blood alcohol content was probably a little high at the beginning of this movie. Unfortunately, though, it didn't stay high because the second half of the movie uh, needed me to be a little more intoxicated, uh, to be honest, for me to enjoy it. Um, yeah, I'd never thought there'd be a movie about drinking that wasn't like about a bunch of college kids drinking like Eric's favorite movie, Everyone Wants Some. 
um or everybody wants some uh <laughs> well, oh that my day was just ruined right there <laughs> your day was probably already ruined let's be honest um but you had a, you, had, you have to talk about another round i'm sure want some <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's start um Obviously, the focus of the movie was on Mad's character, uh, Martin, who seemed of the four men to be the most like stuck in a rut of life. And I mean, I guess we didn't really get too much insight on the other guys' personal lives. Um, and yeah, he chooses to start drinking. And you know what's funny? Okay. Like this is, I feel like this idea is like a normal thing, right? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Let me stop myself there for a second. <laughs> Maybe not going to work intoxicated, right? But there's definitely, especially I feel like as, as a young adult, there's definitely pressure. It's like, if you're on, if it's a weekend and you're going to do anything, if you're going to go somewhere, you're going to do something. It's like, okay, let's maybe have a few drinks before we do it, right? I feel like that's like a common thing. I feel like that's like fundamentally different from what this movie is. Like this is like- No, I know, but- Doing something, you know? The idea was, uh, the idea that like you can't fully either A, enjoy yourself or be a 100% vulnerable unless you are at that like, at that point where you are somewhat intoxicated but not drunk, I think is more common than the movie. Obviously, I don't know how, what percentage of Americans are going to work actually drinking, you know, several beers or shots in the morning. But I think more than you would think do this on a regular basis for enjoying activities. I don't know. 39%. According Did you say 39%? 39% according to a recent study. Yeah. Well, who, who, was, who did the study? Gabby Star. Perturbs. It's <laughs> Gabby Star. Wow. What a great duo. Yeah. What did you guys think? Um, what do you guys think of this? I'll have to be honest. Um, I'm just going to put this out there. My favorite part of the film happened very early on. Uh, I didn't care too much for the dance scene. I won't lie. Maybe I'm, I, I didn't, I just didn't, I don't know. Like I get it was a big thing and it's supposed to be what, like some expression that like he's now can fully live life or I, I don't know, but I, I, like, I don't know. It just seems so, I don't know. What I, what I want to say before I trash on other parts of the film is that um, I don't even know why I'm saying that I gave the, I, I enjoyed this movie. It just sounds like I don't. Um, I really enjoyed the maybe like 15 minute scene. Maybe that's a little long, 10, 15 minute scene at the beginning where the guys are all at the dinner. They're just sitting around the table, kind of like catching up, drinking a little bit, start drinking a little more. They let looser and looser emotions. It, 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 like, it felt so real. And maybe because, being in this time of COVID, it's hard to have that with friends. So just like be yourself, be out. I mean, just to even be with people, you know, it's, I, I found that scene of the entire film to be the most relatable, the most real. I was like, wow, you know, like I, I, I did this at one point with my friends, you know, like for the most part, like, I just like, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed just this round table of the four of them sitting, talking, like, you know, maybe the dialogue wasn't that, amazing but like they they seemed like they really had chemistry and that they were longtime friends and worked together and you know etc and I I don't know I really appreciate that and I I kind of felt like that was completely lost as the film went on I mean sure like they're still together doing this study and obviously ultimately they're together for the funeral 
but I felt like that what made the movie special at the beginning was the dynamic of almost like, you know, friendship when nothing else in kind of the in life is going right. I'll stop talking. Yeah, I think I would definitely agree. I think what this movie gets right is like how fun alcohol can be. Like, I think, and like, that's like one of the like things that this movie really like, like brings home. Like alcohol isn't just like some bad thing. Like alcohol like is legitimately freeing. Like it begins with this drinking game, but along the way, like alcohol actually like in the beginning of the experiment does legitimately good things for their lives. Like he like finds passion in teaching again, um, like Mike Nicholson's character. Um, but like the soccer coach character, like legitimately helps and like inspires this young child specs. And even after things start going south, um, the philosophy teacher like encourages a student to like drink during um, his test. And like, it actually does help him like get into medical school. Like, like I think for like, as, as predictable as the movie is, I think what I appreciate most about it is that it really does like, it really doesn't like ever undercut the fact that like at a base level, like alcohol is like fun and there's reasons that people like that, like that, that study exists, for example, like there's reasons for it. Um, well, as a 20 year old American citizen, uh, I have no firsthand experience uh, <laughs> or insight into what you 21-year-olds are talking about. Um, but yeah, I guess there is this, I think maybe clash is too strong a word, but uh, uh, this tension between De demonstrating the, the qualities and benefits of alcohol versus the very conventional way in which the story plays out. And for me, the latter dominates the former. And uh, I didn't really get even much enjoyment out of watching the pleasures of, of their, you know, newfound confidence and passion. Um, it just everything was so telegraphed and, and clear that uh, the actual events almost felt unnecessary and in that sense were not super uh, enthralling to me. I would definitely agree. I The only one that really stuck out to me was that soccer scene. Um, mm -hmm. The rest of them, like Matt Mickelson connecting historical figures to his students using alcohol, like it was like cool, but I like I, I like that first time they did it. I, I thought the first time was kind of cool. They're like, oh, I don't know. I thought it was it's cheesy, but I don't know. I wonder if, at least for me, I think the movie has this weird thing where like it's so clearly telegraphed, but then it's also split between these four characters. Yeah, and it like has to has to like at least dangle all these four characters in front of us and go from one to the other as they're all pretty much going through the exact same thing except for um except for the one the one teacher who is um fired fairly late into the movie but um it treats these four people as a group but then really only focuses on Mads Mikkelsen 
Um, and it, it doesn't, I don't think it does a very good job of balancing how much these people are in this movie, like how much these characters are in the movie. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, it's very weird to me to make the choice to very clearly set the boundaries at the beginning as being a group movie, but then only really diving into the the effects of how it affects Mads on a on a not only work level but on a personal level at home. Um, you know, we see a little bit from the other ones here and there, but ultimately, I'm just left like, okay, if you're gonna make it about Mads, I'd rather have just had that. You know, like don't. I don't know. I, I, I agree that I don't know what the answer is, but it, but either way, it was not in balance. Um, yeah, I, the first half of the movie was really fun to me. Um, I enjoyed it because I enjoyed seeing the group interact with each other. I enjoyed seeing them have fun. And I think we should spend time talking about this point because this is the, obviously the crux of the film um, that Eric is mentioning. Alcohol is often in movies shown as being both enticing but ultimately a negative thing and i'm not saying it isn't here because it definitely is but i think there's also the, a mix in of positives that perhaps get overlooked um not necessarily in like a way of saying you should drink alcohol because this but this idea that drinking alcohol especially in low amounts can give you confidence to get out of your head. And as a 21 year old American citizen who has engaged in drinking on the uh, occasional occasion, um, <laughs> I, I, I find that to be incredibly accurate. Um, but I do feel like there's also the counter to that. There's times where it doesn't do that. And when you start realizing, I think it can be almost a dangerous message. I, th I think the movie rides the line very well. They're not saying go drink. It makes you better and it makes you less anxious because here's the reality. If you are drinking because it gets you out of your head and you do that all the time, you are becoming an alcoholic who can only find pleasure due to alcohol. You know, ultimately the challenge in the second half of the movie, especially for Mad's character is how can I find pleasure in life now, now that like I know how I can be when I drink, how can I bring that out into my sober life, right? Because at the end of the day, you don't need alcohol. It's not like I've given like a lesson on drinking to like college students. You don't need alcohol to get outside your head, but it does just that. The issue is obviously the consequences of going way past that. I really liked that. I really liked the line that the movie, you know, chose to ride on how it discussed and dealt with alcohol. I don't think there's a case in my head that could be made that it completely, you know, said that alcohol is this amazing thing, nor did I think it said it was this, you know, evil thing. But I think what you said was right, Eric. I think there's, there's true, um, you know, we can obviously just talk about like, okay, well, we can, there's real health benefits, you know, a lot of Europeans, you know, drink, you know, occasionally, and there's true health benefits from having a glass of wine, blah, 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 blah. But like, in terms of like, the more mental aspects, I, I think there are benefits to that. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, a nice thing that they do here is to offer, like you said, um, this non-judgmental perspective on alcohol 
that doesn't it doesn't in the end turn turn out an evaluation it's good not or bad at all yeah it just it's just presenting um this story which i think is is generally a, a great choice um i think writers shouldn't judge their characters uh actors shouldn't judge their characters they should just try to present those characters in the story uh with honesty and i think that that was done here and that was a nice thing uh i just wish it had been had been done in a more compelling way i think this movie could have been like like 70 minutes and it would have been much more effective i think what i think like the movie gets a lot out of the whole like experiment um premise in the sense that it gives the first half of the movie like this feeling of a caper it's like these people are um like this is like first they get you know it's like it's like a it's like a joke it's like this is for science like <laughs> we're doing this like but it's for science <laughs> um uh and I even like the way that whenever they're using their breathalyzers, they're like, it's like they get secret gear for their experiment. They, they use their breathalyzers and the screen goes black. And it's just like that reading in Times New Roman. Like, I, I enjoy that. I think it's sort of, I think it's sort of fun. Um, but when it does get to the, um, like, the experiment also ends up being, I think, something that really hinders the movie when it gets to the, um, like, the second act. Because... Like we know, like you know, like they're gonna, but like you see the experiment and you go, oh, like there's only one direction this is going, but we have to see them go from, let's push it up to 0.06. <laughs> and then a couple of like, and then like 20 minutes later, like 0.08, like, <laughs> like, like even more, like, <laughs> like weekends. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very predictable. And I do think, um, I think the backdrop of the, of the, of the, you know, the philosophical study or, or psychological study, whatever it was, I, I like it, but I do think, you know, and I guess what you just said is that it definitely hinders it. It limits it. It, it doesn't it just give it. The inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And like, you, you're right. We all knew where it was going to go. We, 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 we didn't think it was just going to be like a, okay, they're for the whole movie, they've been 0.05 and uh, it's been great. And yeah, we're, we're done, boys, that's it. Like we knew how it was going to go. Um, is that necessarily a bad thing? No, but in this sense, because of how uh, not compelling the rest of the story was, you can't have a very conventional, I don't know, a very easy to foresee timeline. I, I don't know. I, I mean, like, I, I understand what Caleb is saying too, because I'll be honest, I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was around the one hour mark. I, I pretty much checked out for the rest of the film. And by the end, when they were dancing and something, I just didn't, just didn't care. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just like the tone really changed and I get, you know, and I still think they weren't judging. They were very much presenting, but like, as soon as it, they, they ramp up to that night where they're like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna hit oblivion. I think is what they call it, and everything like. Let's black out tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, or what I like to call a Thursday night. Either way, um, like, I yeah, I don't. It, it turned weird after that. It, there was the you know whole thing with his marriage. There was obviously the funeral, the death, and um, you know I, I did like seeing some like the obviously the consequences. I, I don't know. I, I think Caleb can relate 
to what I'm saying in that like I, I definitely checked out by that point. Yeah, I wish the movie had gone like instead of turning turning sober, it had turned more like surreal, like nightmare surreal in the second half. I feel like that would have been the choice to make. Uh, yeah, I think they should have just clipped about 30 minutes off the film. I, yeah. It's not, not a two-hour film. You know what's a two-hour film? Miller's Crossing. You know it's not a two-hour film? Another round. They're, they're almost identical in time. Can you believe that? Now, tell me right now. We're not talking about Miller's Crossing yet, but tell me, Eric. You take I, very different films, very whatever. You take, just think about what you're getting out of 120 minutes compared to like another round to Miller's Crossing. Like one movie clearly somewhat uses 120 minutes. The other film really chugs and tries to get to that 120 minute mark. Am I wrong in saying that? Eh. Eh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Okay. Actually, I, I, if like, Eric Horn said, I'll say it. Miller's but... Crossing is more efficient. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's a, a perfect at it either. I just definitely thought, I, I just like when I watched them both and I realized they were similar in time, it was just interesting to me. And again, I know they're very different. We're not comparing them, whatever. I'm just <laughs> saying the fact that in the, I was halfway through Miller's round and I, or Miller's round. <laughs> I was halfway through another round and I was checking how much time was left is a pretty good factor to me to know I'm pretty checked out of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Um, I think it's worth getting into the dance scene. Um, what did you think? Why, why, okay. So did you like the dance scene? And if so, why? Like, what did it do for you? Yeah, because I think the dance scene in itself represents like what we've been talking about the entire movie doing well and being a non-judgmental use uh like depiction of alcohol it's this scene where he is clearly as i said in my description of Bochara, he's dancing with reckless abandon he's completely free he's more than anything he's feeling young within all of these young like recent high school graduates he is obviously enjoying the music, like the song is great. Um, but at the same time, it's said in this backdrop of their friend just died. And like, it's like I said before, is it, is he happy? Is this like, I think what I generally see is like, is it triumph or oblivion? Like, is he like dancing to forget or is he dancing to enjoy? And I don't think there's a clear answer. And I think that's what makes it so um, exciting and I think that's like in like one scene what this movie does well unfortunately I'm uh, more of Zach on this one by the end I, I was basically checked out of it um, yeah I, I understand all that cognitively but it just didn't hit me emotionally because I was checked out really Mad dancing is great, but I want. I feel like I wanted more, like. Yeah, I. More spastic. Sorry, go ahead. There's a lot of. Oh, you can't see because there's a lot of. That's like very. That's still like he's like still very controlled though. If you know what I mean, as he's dancing. For everyone listening, Eric just did three backflips. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I agree with you. You know what's funny is I was reading some reviews afterwards that people were praising his performance, 
I mean, that's going to happen with anybody. I'm not going to say he did a terrible performance or he did a bad one, but like, I don't know. It didn't stick out to me. I wasn't like, Oh my God, dude, I just love him. Like he was really saving this movie. Like, I don't know. He was fine. Is that, is that unfair? I actually think he saved this movie. Um, you actually? Yeah, I do. It's uh, a very measured performance. It's very... I think the one scene that I keep coming back to in my mind is that dinner scene we brought up earlier. And I remember as I was watching it, consciously thinking, man, this, this dialogue is, is not very good. And new lines would come up. And then I, I think to myself, you know, different variations on, on the idea that this dialogue is not very good. And, and I noticed like in the middle of these thoughts, several times I would just cut off and be brought back in just by uh, Mickelson's performance. Um, I think I, I, how he, I don't know, just seems to be <laughs> dying on the inside <laughs> and how, how, he, how he brings that out in, in just a very um, composed manner uh, and it really struck me and then you know temporarily diffused my my growing concern uh, and I think throughout he he does a, a great job and in a lesser performance I really uh, would not have wanted to finish the movie that's fine. All right. Do we have any final thoughts before we uh, go on to our reviews or our final ratings? Eric, is there anything you want to mention? All right, let's do it then. Um, yeah, I mean, I have good things and bad things. Um, it's one of those movies, though, where not a lot stood out to me at the end. You know, like I, I finished the movie. I was sitting there. It's like, what stood out to me? Well, I really enjoyed dialogue on alcohol, not the literal dialogue uh, because it was, you know, okay. But the discussion it, it brought into my head about alcohol and um, I really enjoyed um, – that aspect, I did enjoy the classroom moments personally. Maybe I'm a little bit more cheesy. I enjoyed the classroom moments where he was exhibiting his new power for teaching after drinking. Uh, the ones where he was asking his students about drinking. I definitely had a few like double takes because I kept realizing, oh my God, we're not in America. I mean, I, I knew we weren't in America the whole time, but I was just like, oh yeah, they can drink at 18 in high school. Um, not that that ever stopped me. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I think I think there is some there's just, there's some nice moments in this movie. I really love that beginning dinner scene. Um, I really enjoyed some of the group interactions, but ultimately when it got away from that and got away from some of the more interesting components of like seeing some of the teaching, seeing the choir students. And yeah, it was again, cheesy, predictable, seeing the, you know, the students suddenly become amazing, you know, interested students because their teacher is a little bit drunk and they don't know that. Um, I do think it's important because it, it, there's some dialogue there about, you know, take away alcohol out of it, how teachers can really change how students learn and how much effect that is. And this whole idea of opening yourself up, being more vulnerable, 
being more comfortable, not just with friends, but with family, with yourself, with your students, if you're a teacher, all these things, all these ideas that are, that use alcohol as a catalyst to show, hey, you can be more relaxed and open up in life. Good. That's good. So overall though, um, second half of the movie really just faded for me. Uh, so another round, two and a half stars. A little, little shift of Rooney there. Um, all right. I want to go back to something that Eric said earlier, uh, how he wished the second half had gone in a more surreal direction. Uh, I had a similar thought. I wish, I think there are, there are a few moments of absurdity in this movie enough for me to think that Vinterberg recognizes the absurdity of the situation that his characters are in. And I wish he had really leaned into that more than, than he did. And instead of going really the conventional route, um, you know, one moment I really loved was uh, when one of Mickelson's friends is drunk, he's back at home with his family Um he pees the bed after in earlier in the movie, his, his, you know, his kid keeps peeing everywhere in his sleep. And then he, you know, he mirrors that pees in his sleep and then he wakes up and then tries to call somebody. And then instead of the phone, it's the baby monitor. Uh, and it's like, so like ridiculous, absurd things like that, that I think should have been more commonplace and perhaps even stretched uh, into more surreal, uh, instances uh outside of that something i don't think we touched on really was uh a big piece of the movie was mads mickelson's relationship with his wife and how that was just going completely downhill um and i thought almost all of the relationship stuff was was bad uh really surface just put in there to to give his character more of the image of having this midlife crisis, but extremely inauthentic. Um, anytime, you know, his family got involved in anything, I was, I was, I checked out. Other than I think he he had one blow up um, near the end of the movie with his whole family there. Um, but again, I think that's more uh, you can attribute that add to his performance uh drawing me back in instead of the the narrative of the broken family coming to fruition uh overall two and a half stars yeah i don't have too much more to say on on that but i guess i guess it just echoes my overarching concern with another round which is Partially that the design is telegraphed, but more specifically, as Caleb just sort of elaborated on, that it lacks the sort of specificity that would make this telegraphed story anything more than that, um, even with its um, pretty non-traditional actual premise of the psychological experiment. Um, I think I enjoyed it a little more than you guys, but I did end up giving it the same rating. I gave it a two and a half. <laughs> Uh-oh, is that a certified uh, you hate to stop? I'm not saying that. Um, but, uh, you know, the rare instance where we all line up in a rating. Yeah, I mean, 
I think that's all there is to say. Let's uh, let's move on to Coen Brothers movie. How about that? Uh, Eric and I were having a little discussion last night or two nights ago. Was it two nights ago about your uh, Coen Brother movie experiences? Um, now that you've been going through them for well, I don't know how many times you've seen these early ones, but uh, yeah, let's get it. Eric, you want to introduce uh, Miller's Crossing? Very well. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, Miller's Crossing is the Coen Brothers' third movie, which they made right after Raising Arizona, which we, were, we talked about last week. And it is um, a gangster movie. It's um, set in 1929 and centers on Gabriel Burns' Tom Reagan, who is sort of the, um, the right-hand man of... A mob, a New York City mob boss named um, named Leo, who's played by Albert Finney, and um, to to put it mildly, um, essentially what happens is Tom Reagan and Leo fall for the same woman, and that leads us into just like a crazy web of the New York City mob scene, um, various relationships that aren't what they seem to be and some beautiful imagery of the new york city woods yeah Yeah. uh you know i i think so again this is you know i'm getting a little bit more familiar now with coen brothers films um this being not really my third but you know now that we've been doing them for a while i just have to say that i don't know what it is about coen brothers films that appeal to me but there's something about being able to make a very simple story into something very not simple that is just works for me. I don't know. Maybe that's a really dumbed down way of saying it, but like, you know, at the, at the, the crux of it all, you know, this, this film is about, you know, the mob, but two people falling for the same woman, but it is also so much more than that. Um, even with such a simple concept, um, this, was a movie where I personally was engaged the entire two hours, pretty much. Um, might have lost a little bit of steam at one point, but I think I was overall pretty pretty taken in, um, especially with how many twists and turns there were. I don't think it was too, like... Do you know what I'm talking about when a movie, sometimes you expect, you're like, oh, like I know they're going to say something or do something and it's not actually what is happening. And therefore, like, you know, like, do you know what I'm talking about? Where yeah. like, you're, like, you're like expecting twists. I didn't feel that way about this film, even though it was clear that everything that was happening, for the most part, you as the audience knew what the truth was. But there were so many, obviously, interwoven lies and interwoven, you know, accounts of different things and yeah I I guess where I'm going with this is I kind of wanted to talk I know we're skipping straight to the end here but I kind of wanted to ask you guys what your thought of the ending was um and whether or not you thought it was too predictable too unpredictable not too unpredictable but like I I honestly I I'll be honest maybe I haven't watched enough Coen Brothers to never assume the best but I honestly thought the ending was going to go much differently. Uh, I really did not expect things what to go how they did. Be? Ah, you, do you, I mean, you really want to know what I think it was going to be. It's, it's the cheesy fucking part of me um, that thinks that it was going to like, I really thought like he was going to end up running away with her. Like I thought after 
pretty much everything that happened after um, he, spoiler alert for 1990, uh, <laughs> after he kills uh, Billy. Uh, Wait, no. Bernie. Yeah, Bernie, not, not Billy. Billy doesn't exist in this world. Uh, <laughs> after he kills Bernie, I, one, didn't see that coming personally. And I didn't, everything that happened after that it seemed like a shock to me. Is there a reason why you guys don't seem like it was a shock to you? Is there a reason why, or were you just assuming it was not going to work out? Oh, um, I feel like that's just not something that happens in Coen Brothers movies. Like, I feel like they're generally very hard on their protagonists. Good things rarely happen to them. Like, No Country for Old Men. Like, like, he, like oh my God, I'm really. Bl- Is it Josh Brolin in No Country for Old Men? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josh Brolin. Like, the 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 main character literally dies off screen. Um, or like you think of um, like the one that always gets me um, like inside Lewin Davis, like good things do not happen to him or the ending of a serious man with the, like the tornado, like that sort of thing just, I guess, doesn't really happen, I guess. So then let me, let me ask you then, is it too predictable that, you know, nothing good's going to happen? Is it too like, I don't want to say depressing, but is it like, oh, of course, this guy's just going to get screwed or like, I don't know. Do you see that as being like, again, too predictable or are you just seeing it being a reflection on how life is? I don't know. Is that too dark to ask? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like the Coens always work in this sort of like, I don't know how to describe it, but this like very good versus evil. Like they feel very, his, their movies feel very like, like they exist in like a like a parable or like a fable sort of world where there's like good and evil there's like something religious about them but they're also very like unpredictable in the sense that like good bad things happen to good people but like it feels like there should be this sense of right and wrong in the world i, I don't know if that makes sense at all um and I guess again, your point in this one, I don't know. Like he sort of gets like he, like I guess in a, in the sense that he doesn't get Verna, he gets screwed over. But I, I didn't think he really had that bad of an ending, all things considered. Um, and I I guess it, it felt fine to me. Like I feel like being too predictable is only an issue if you feel like if it feels like self parody and it doesn't feel like self parody. Um, yeah, that's my basic take. Yeah, thus far I've been able to evaluate uh, Coen Brothers films on an individual basis, uh, so I'm not really concerned with their thematic um, trouble for their protagonists, and I think a big reason for that is that their specifics are unique for each film and they're they're worked out really well in in a logical and usually emotionally compelling way Uh, so the fact that the the broadest view at structure uh, presents some similarities doesn't really bother me i was just curious It, it doesn't bother me either i was just curious as you know what you guys, you know, thought about that. So what, what is, you know, you just talked about, you know, it 
being compelling for other ways, what, in what way, it doesn't have to be in general, but like, in what way was this movie compelling to you? What, what drew you into this film in particular? Um, and I think it's the thing that impresses me in, I think every Coen brothers movie is the plotting, um, how they scheme out their stories. And, uh, I think more than any filmmakers working today, uh, present amazing, uh, consistently amazing dramatic irony through their storytelling and there are things that the the audience knows that the characters don't know and and you just get to watch that play out i think that's always uh compelling i think again that was more successful in in blood simple and maybe i won't come across another example from them that as successful in uh, creating rich dramatic uh, irony as exists in Blood Simple, um, but it's it's this really tight uh, storytelling with character-driven plot, but still plot that is just everywhere at once and yet wound together very, very well in a way that can't just be character-driven. Yet you know that they had to have planned this out, you know, as a, as a story first. Um, but the fact that it comes through, at, the fact that the characters still manage to drive uh, all that narrative information is, is what makes them special. I'm pretty sure like part of their process is like when they go in with, um, when they start production, they literally have essentially every single thing in the script and every single thing storyboarded out to the point where they pretty much do not change a single thing as they're in production. Um, and every pretty much as they go in with the script, like that's pretty much like almost word for word what gets said in the movie. They very rarely change things. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've loved everyone I've seen so far. Um, I would actually say I enjoyed this one more than Blood Simple. Uh, personally and that's nothing bad against blood simple at all because it was also a great movie um but i was definitely really drawn in to all these different characters one i'm you know i'm i'm a fan of the gangster genre i i think if you look at maybe you know i know people have you know a lot of praise for very uh you know there's some very well-known gangster movies and people really really love them um, and I think this is one of the better ones, actually. Um, I really enjoyed, I don't know, I, Caleb put it really well for me. I really like what he said about the world being basically, I'm going to paraphrase, like vast, but still wounded up. Like, it seems like you are just how, like, when you thinking about what's off, you know, off the screen of a camera shot, I'm thinking sometimes about what is in this world that's created and about all the different pieces and about all the different aspects of it. And, you know, I don't know if, you know, how you would say the dialogue compares to other, you know, directors, um, if it's the most, you know, compelling. Um, but either way, I find myself incredibly sucked into each world that is, 
crafted masterfully. Yeah, I think I I would definitely agree. I think with this one in particular, um, I I really struggled with this one this time. Not like I wouldn't say I really struggled, but I definitely had trouble finding a way in to this one. Um, I think this movie in particular is incredibly like confusing for me. I I just don't know. I like during the movie, I was like, what is going on? But then to cap it off, I, I Caleb and I talked about this. I think I, we didn't, I didn't really find myself like actively caring about anything that was going on at the same time. Um, and I, I, by the end of the movie, I had a, a basic understanding of what had happened, but not, not anything super clear. But I think more than anything, nothing really stuck. I think for me, what sticks out at the end of this movie is um, one, how much Gabriel Byrne looks like Tom Hiddleston. And two, like the only thing that really sticks with me in this movie is John Turturro and his like that one scene um, where um, I, I would call it, I would call it like one of the centerpiece, like one of the centerpiece scenes of this movie where um, Tom Reagan is trying to prove his allegiance to this other mob boss named Casper. And one of the things he needs to do is to kill Verna's brother, who is John Turturro's Bernie. And um, you just see John Turturro like flip on a dime and go into this huge monologue, like begging for his life. And I, I, I think that's the only thing that really makes a lasting impression um, from this movie for me personally. And I'm, I think I'm still trying to parse out exactly why that is. How do you feel, Caleb? Yeah, I think it was uh, a little confusing as well. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I really wasn't left with much as well, which is... And I'm having trouble with this one because I think on paper, this is a great movie, at least at least a movie that I think I would like a lot, even though gangster isn't really my thing. I think the the Coens are idiosyncratic enough to 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 draw me in. Uh, I think I really like the idea of Tom beginning as this, you know, intensely logical guy uh who's you know kind of a, a bit of a rough exterior but still likable just knows how to get the job done doesn't let his feelings get in the way but still you know makes makes some time for them and by the end he he devolves into this person who kind of lacks rhyme or reason and is just doing things and he can't even vocalizes he can't understand what is happening he asks leo like do you ever just like not know why you do things which is a complete 180 from the person he starts out as and i think that's a really interesting character arc and something that again on paper is very appealing to me and it just didn't connect exactly. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly why. Uh, maybe it's uh, 
uh, again, the story was a little too convoluted, but I don't think that should really stop me from, from digging my, my teeth in. Uh, um, and I think this movie is like the middle ground between Blood Simple and, and, and Raising Arizona in terms of dialogue. I think dialogue and Blood Simple, though wasn't necessarily the, the biggest component, was very inspired and worked I don't know, felt, felt the most original while as in Raising Arizona, I thought felt the most conventional, uh, the dialogue, but it, you know, just had a fancier vocabulary here. I thought was the middle ground in that things felt more original, but not necessarily as inspired. Um, so I didn't think it was, it was as great, even though it felt, uh, you know, more unique. So, I, but still, that that I feel like shouldn't really hold me back from from really getting into this character study. But but it did. The last thing I can think of is I don't think that, that Tom was really likable character. But again, that's not something that I usually have have trouble with. I usually I I don't like when filmmakers and or actors work really hard to make a character likable because that's often at the expense of something authentic or something interesting. Uh, and I, I don't think it was a bad performance by Gabriel Byrne to make, uh, to make Tom unlikable. And I don't think that the Coens wrote him poorly. So maybe there is what I think it has to be after all that analysis is that there's just something missing and probably something emotional eh, because that's what Tom seemed to lack the most. Because uh, I think by the end, they're going for a very emotional ending where, where Tom can't really recognize himself, where he you know looks at Leo and Verna walking away and are supposed to get this sense of emptiness. Um, but I just didn't hit it fully. And I guess that's because there's just some emotional, key emotional component missing from the story. Did Tom and Vernon yeah. play as like lived in few? I feel like that's the crux probably. What? Tom and Verna. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, honestly, as much as I, okay, I think I'm in a similar spot in terms of, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad spot to be in. I think it's just a reality. Um, I can tell you objectively, I like this movie a lot and I like it more than Blood Simple. Personally, why is that so? And like what components worked i'm still you know i, I can think of a, like a handful of things but I'm, I'm left in a weird space like you are caleb and eric honestly that there's something it's not i don't i don't even know if something's missing for me it's more that i don't really know how i feel completely about everything and i don't know if what will stick with me um as time goes on because there are things in raising arizona and blood simple that both stick with me um, and I don't know, um, it's hard for me to really express that right now in terms of what, what makes it feel a little weird, 
but I definitely have this sensation that, uh, you know, like I agree with your points. I think the dialogue is, is definitely in the middle. I think blood simple is, it was, it was easily the most original, like you said, um, very captivating in some aspects. Uh, this was fine. There were moments where I was like, you know, I felt like it was a little, I don't know if cheesy is the right word or just like, you know, I don't know. Um, but I, yeah, I'm also left in, a, in that weird space because I'm not really sure, I, I guess, how I feel. I don't know. That's a really convoluted way of saying I agree with what you said, but I, uh, I agree with what you said. And, um, you know, maybe we could dissect the movie and really like be like, okay, what is this missing from things like Blood Simple and Raising Arizona um, or even other Cohen movies? Um, like what, what components are actually missing but I don't know. I think I like the more I think about it, um, I, I think like after we watched this movie, something that Caleb and I talked about was um, like, like obviously a lot of these Coen Brothers movies are very like technically virtuosic. And we talked about how there was a lot of swooping shot reverse shot in this movie. And it, it's making me wonder if there's something about just like the rhythm of this movie, just the rhythm of the dialogue, the rhythm of the shots that just like feels like off to me. That's like- It doesn't feel crisp like the other ones? Not feeling crisp. Like, like a as long as like if a rhythm, like a rhythm doesn't need to be like regular for it to work. It just needs to, I don't know. I feel like it's it's less tangible than that. It just needs to like feel right. And something about the rhythm of this movie um, doesn't feel. Right. I think just does not like the rhythm of this movie and the rhythm of everything that happens plot wise. Just like do not draw me in. I think something that goes along with that is that I think this is my least favorite score, at least of the Coen Brothers movies that we've seen, like by far. Um, and like that, see, I feel like that seems like a stupid thing to gripe about, but I think that when watching a movie that like, just that like, overall that like atmosphere and how the movie flows um, is definitely a, like something that can really hold, hold something, hold the movie back. Not that I think this movie doesn't flow, but maybe just the way that it flows didn't I just did not, I just never got there. I just never got in that wavelength. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure this all is kind of confusing to, to listen to us say that we're confused, <laughs> but like, no, I think it's true though. I mean, I think, I don't know. I felt like with the other two movies, I left completely aware, even if not right away over time, how I felt about it and like what worked and what didn't work. You know what I'm saying? Like this, you know, like Raising Arizona. I mean, like I, I, was thinking about that movie for a while and I had a lot of good things I, I liked about the film. And this one is, I, I, I just have a feeling this one might slip away a little bit faster than the others, you know? And I don't know, I, I don't know if it's fair to say that without trying to express why, but I think we've touched on some of the reasons. Um, the score was to me non-existent I'm just going to say it like I didn't even notice it, which I'm not necessarily saying it needs to always a score needs to like completely just like be there. But like I if you if you tried to like play me back a part of the score, 
I don't think I would recognize it if I'm being honest. Um, I, I do have some ideas like Caleb about the main character. Um, I usually also don't mind the necessarily unlikable character, but I almost wonder if there was, you know, there was glimpses at the beginning, especially of there being much more to him. But then I felt in the end, I felt like at the end, it kind of went away from that, even though it didn't try to, I don't know, Caleb, you said that you felt like the movie was trying to get you to feel something like make, you know, to feel that he was empty now, but you didn't feel it. Did you feel like, or something like that? Did you feel like that, that the character ch not changed, but do you feel like he was missing something that it possessed that he possessed in the first half or? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think he, there, there's some change here. Maybe the, the big problem that I'm having is that his character is just super opaque throughout um i guess one example of that is uh when they think they discover that he didn't kill bernie in miller's crossing and then they're gonna take him out to miller's crossing to find the body and if the body's not there uh they're going to kill him and of course uh tom knows that the body isn't there because he let bernie go and there's just this, there's, I think, a few minutes of screen time of him just looking completely uh, stone-faced, uh, not showing any emotion whatsoever Where in a time when he thinks he's going to die imminently and sees no way out. He, even, even on their way to uh, get to the body, which is what he thinks is going to be his own death site. You know, he doesn't attempt to do anything, doesn't show any emotion or attempt to outsmart these guys to let him live. He's just going to face his death and he's completely stone cold. And then right near, uh, right when the, he's about to die, he like falls down and throws up everywhere. And you realize that, you know, he was actually completely freaking out on the inside as, you know, somebody probably would in that situation where they are about to be executed. Um, but I think that's just one example that shows that we really don't get much insight into what is going on inside his head. And in this case, we at least at the end of the sequence finally get a little bit of insight but it makes you makes me believe that there are several occasions uh, on which we don't end up with that insight and we're just left to to watch this exterior which is like I said incredibly opaque and then in the final scene I think you're expected uh, to really connect to what's going on inside him when we really just have not had that access uh, up until that point. I think that's fair. I, I think that's a that's good a good description of what I, I guess I feel as well. It's it's very interesting um, because I, I agree, you know, like on one hand, I don't want the character to be too, you know, I don't want to be something he's not, you know. I, I enjoyed I enjoy moments where he is stone cold and you know kind of hiding and packing away that 
emotion and stuff, but there's also, I guess, not enough, like you said, of times where you're actually getting any insight that keeps you, I don't know, interested or I don't know. There is definitely something. It's, it seems very different than the other protagonists in the two prior films, um, at least in my opinion. Uh, I felt like in both of the previous films that we watched, you were at least able to get some type of glimpse into the motives, the ideas, the belief, you know, like I just felt like you were getting at least a, a, a glimpse into the characters. And I didn't feel like you got enough of that here, or at least especially into, you know, the protagonist. Yeah, I guess I think Caleb's, what Caleb just said was actually illuminating in the sense that I feel like this is the type of movie that tries to be so reserved that whenever you do get something like at the very end that it becomes almost overwhelming because you've put so much investment into intuiting and trying to reason out what this opaque character is doing um, so that when you get something that's as clear cut as the ending, it's just like incredibly powerful. Um, and I think where I'm connecting that with what I was talking before about like the rhythm of this movie is a movie like that, at least in my head, I expect it to be colder. Like this movie has this weird, uh, like this movie is very warm. Um, I touched on the score earlier, but that score, it's desolate in the sense that it's primarily just a single oboe, but um, I don't know, there's something very pastoral about it. Like how like major key, it's very, I don't know, it's very pastoral to me. And the entire color palette of this movie with all the like the tapestry of characters, it's very like browns and oranges and like autumnal is very strange to me for the type of movie that from what Caleb has just said, like what I would expect this type of movie to look and feel like. And there's something fundamentally a little, a little jarring about that. I think that's, that's a great point that the final shot does not to me uh, align with just on paper, forget the execution, just on paper, what we know about the character in this story just does not seem like it warrants uh, the conclusion that it gets. All right. Well, that was a very interesting discussion uh, on Miller's Crossing. It definitely was a lot more, not confusing, a lot more um, introspective than I thought uh, it would be. We're, we're um, I'm just going to say, we're about to go through the ringer with Barton Fink. Oh, my God. If we thought this <laughs> Barton Fink. All right. <laughs> well, okay. Let's, let's give, our, let's give our, our, our final thoughts. Um, I guess I'll start by saying um, I actually want to, the more I think about it, I, I, I want to preface this by saying I'm not someone that changes my views based off other people. It's just that I allow myself more introspection when I'm talking with people, which I think is a fair point. Am I not wrong that that is... That's part of movie discussion. Always. You know, you evolve how you think about things by hearing ideas and thoughts on other people. True man of science. And I, I'm a man of science. Um, I, I hope I made my uh, intro film professor proud right now uh, by saying that. Uh, but either way, the, I, I enjoyed the movie. I, I, was, I was kept uh, in the space uh, for the whole two hours. 
but I did struggle with it, like we talked about. And um, I actually realized that I don't like this movie more than Blood <laughs> Simple. Um, in fact, of the three, I would definitely say it's probably the lowest. Uh, but I also, um, I think there's just more thought into what you just said, Eric, and what we were kind of discussing earlier about the protagonist and stuff like that. Um, I think it's a very interesting film. And I think it is, in some ways, you know, plot was amazing, kept me in. I was feeling the twists and turns. But I think as I dive a little deeper into it, I am missing something. And perhaps uh, I'll figure that out more. But enough on the theoretical um, and abstract three and a half stars. Yeah, I think you definitely got it right when you said this is a movie that I found very interesting um and i don't think what i said before about this movie feeling jarring because of i guess i think i called it like a tumnal and pastoral i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing it's just something that catch it that really caught me off guard um and i think even after two viewings this is still the cohen's movie that i would like to revisit the most because it's so strange and I find I honestly find it a little impenetrable, um, and I I don't know if I really have much like coherent things to say about it other than that I would like to see it again and that I gave it three stars. Yeah, similar to Eric, I think this is the Coen Brothers movie uh, that I've seen that has the most potential to go up on rewatch i don't know if 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 you uh, think it's going to go up or if you just want to watch it again um but for me i think has the most potential to go up once i'm uh able to dissect the plot more uh or hopefully especially gain some more insight into the mind of our tom reagan slash hiddleston um <laughs> Uh, last thing I want to mention is, I guess, like, I guess it's, it's the title sequence where the hat falls mm-hmm. in front of the camera right in the middle of the frame and then blows all the way throughout to like from the bottom of the frame to the top of the frame, which must be a pretty big distance in, in real life and just blows beautifully and stays centered the whole way. Like, I, I don't know how they did that. If That was <laughs> so beautiful. Uh, and I love that. And uh, three stars. Yeah, I felt like, <laughs> I feel like listening back on this podcast episode, I'm gonna be like, what the hell were we like trying to discuss? <laughs> it's hard. No, I, like, I, I mean this. I think the more I watch, the more I watch film, the more I realize there are some films that are hard to really, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not going to say it's, it's a bad thing, but that there, I guess the best word you used, Eric, was impenetrable. Um, they require a lot of viewing. They require a lot of patience. And this might be one of those films. And I also do see the potential in it. So, you know, maybe our discussion, it was not as, you know, practical as our uh, ones usually are with saying, here's what was good. Here's what was bad. Here's what we wanted, you know, but I still think it's important to, you know, feel through it, feel through things. And I know that this discussion led me to thinking about more things. And uh, yeah, I also would like to, um, I'm sure it'll be a movie, maybe the three of us watch again someday. Um, But on that note, uh, it has been a good episode, boys, but we will see you next time. 
Have a great rest of your sunrise. <laughs>